Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm feeling really good because I just got a very sweet message from someone who follows on Insta and listens to the pod. And they said that they want more solos. So I'm so thrilled about that. We're going to do an entire solo episode as next Sunday's episode. So stay tuned for that. And today's episode is amazing. I could not be more excited because we have Ellen Hildebrand, the esteemed phenomenal author who has written incredible bestsellers. And she's just got tons of wisdom to share with us. I know a lot of you guys are fans of hers and I now know why. She's just really got so many great stories and and great tidbits to share. So I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. But before we get into that, can we talk about Mercury retrograde for a second? I mean, literally, that was the longest Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, you know, whatever else Facebook owns, blackout that I've experienced in years. Like it's usually like an hour or two, you know, it has you wondering, like it has you gaslighting yourself. Like, oh, is it my own Instagram that's not refreshing? Oh yeah, no, 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 it's definitely me. This one, there was no gaslighting possible. This was an all day blackout. And I have to say it was phenomenal, phenomenal. Like I texted my two influencer friends and I was like, how great is this? Like, how amazing. And they were like, it's amazing. And I was like, I wish this would happen twice a week. I did my laundry. I rearranged my apartment. I cleaned my apartment. I got to every single email in my inbox. I went through TikTok like seven times and found some really funny videos. I finally got caught up on Couch Guy, which we'll discuss. I played all my friends back in Words with Friends and my boyfriend's grandma. Yes, I play her on Words with Friends. And I did a lot. I would say I did a lot. I I baked. I cooked. I literally did everything on the day of the social media blackout. And I would just like to say, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Same time next week. I'm here for it. Let's talk about Couch Guy briefly. It's a viral TikTok where basically this girl who is a freshman in college goes to visit her boyfriend in college. She surprises him, which like we already know where this is going. Like you don't surprise visit anyone. Anytime we've ever seen a movie and someone's went to surprise visit their significant other, they've been cheating. And I'm not saying that that's always the case in real life just because it's in the movies, but like not no. And so she goes to visit him and he's sitting on the couch with another, with like two other girls. And he's clearly in the midst of, I don't want to say cheating, but I want to, I want to say grafting, which is a love Island term for like trying to cheat. Right. He's clearly trying to get this girl to be into him. And it's just so obvious and it's so painful. And I actually talk about it in today's episode because I was just so shook by it. It triggered me so much. I had a high school boyfriend that I dated for three years and we tried to stay together in college. We got to college and he was in Connecticut and I was in Boston and he had a car with him. Actually, that's not true. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I blacked out that entire time period. 
but he would come to visit me in Boston and he would always say like, there's more to do in Boston. Like, blah, blah. you don't want to come to like Connecticut. There's not a lot going on here. Obviously, again, you know where this is going. He had another girlfriend at college, but I didn't know that. And I slowly but surely ended up finding this out, whatever. Luckily, I never went to visit him because he didn't let me, which in itself should have been a red flag, right? But thank God that I didn't go visit him and someone filmed it and it went viral on TikTok. Like I actually feel really terrible for this girl and I hope that she's okay because it is a dark place, TikTok. And I I pray for my future kids. Anyway, moving on. I have a funny thing to tell you. I thought, and I'm not even fucking with you. I literally thought that honeymoons were free my entire life. I'm not, I, like, I truly, I, I thought that you have a wedding and a honeymoon just is like comes with it or someone pays for it and it's not you. Like I, or I thought maybe our taxes have been going to people's honeymoons this whole time, you know, like a little, you pay a little tax and you're supporting people in love and people married and their honeymoons. Nope, not free. News to me. So now I'm like working on my registry with my fiance. We're doing it on Zola. Shout out to Zola, who also is sponsoring the pod. And thank God there's like a little honeymoon fund thing. And I wasn't going to do it because like asking for money is like tacky. But now that I know that they're not free, hello, please help us go on our honeymoon, you know? So I wrote honeymoon fund, obviously like other options too for people, but honeymoon fund in parenthesis, because Lindsay just learned that it's not free. And and that's the truth. I literally just learned it. Anyway, going to continue on a few wedding things and then just move on from it because I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing about it at this point. It is so hard to figure out where, first of all, to get married, how to negotiate down to a price that you're comfortable with. The venues that are around right now are getting away with murder. Like I get it. You had a year where no one did anything and you're trying to make up for it. But you are committing robbery to these poor families, like not poor as in like actually poor, but like sad for them, for me, because I am being overcharged all this money because of, like, thanks COVID, thanks COVID. And so now the negotiation process is like, happening. And I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what the venue is going to be, but it's funny because you have to say what's important to you and what's not important to you. I'll tell you what's not important to me. And this is going to be very controversial. And most of you are going to disagree with me and I'm curious. So please DM me. I do not give a fuck about a wedding band. Like I have never left a wedding and been like, Oh my God, that wet her dress. But the band, that band was amazing. No, I don't care. I think all bands sound the same, to be honest with you. Are there better bands than others? Sure. Or do people have some good voices and some don't? Yeah, sure. Some bands know more songs than others. Wonderful. I don't care. Bands to me all sound the same. Bands are for my parents and my fiance's parents, if you're listening, love you. But I don't care about a band. Like I want to DJ. I want to rage. Like I want to dance to songs that I know and can sing to. I don't want to hear Uptown Funk from a band. Like, no, I'm over it. Or I want the band DJ collab situation happening. But I would never just do a band. I could just do a DJ, but I would never just do a band. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Wedding dress shopping sucks. I mean, I'm just warning you Libras out there or people with Libra in your chart. If there is any indecision in your life, do not wedding dress shop. Like go to one place and try on one dress and pack it in, like pack it up, be done, unfollow every wedding account on Instagram, block all of your engaged friends. Like it is so difficult. I went in and I tried on a dress at the first place and I was like, this is my dress. Went to another place. This, these are all my dresses. Went to another place. Oh, this is the one. No, none of the, and everyone's like, you'll know when you know it's the one. No, you won't if you're a Libra and, and you love everything. Like you won't know. And so now I'm like, oh, maybe I need to do a custom dress, but I can't sell my soul and, and my body to pay for a custom dress. So this is what we're dealing with right now. And then it's like, okay, let's say I choose a dress and then someone else wears it. I will be mortified. Maybe other people don't care about that. I'm sure it's stupid. I would be mortified. 
Like I, if someone wore my dress, I would sell it, literally sell it the next day. Like I just wouldn't, I wouldn't wear it. Like that's it. Anyway, I'm going to get to a few. So someone asked, was there a time that I ever thought that my significant other wasn't into me or doubted it? Actually, yes. There was a moment in our early in our relationship, we were not official. And so probably bad on me, right? And my parents had rented a place in Miami and they were like not spending a lot of time there. And this place was just sitting in Miami. So obviously I was like, I have to go there and maybe I'll invite Steven. And so I was going there one weekend. And by the way, I was going with or without him. Like I was happy to be in Miami. And I invited him and it was kind of like a casual, like, you know, if you want to come. I remember I proposed it in person over dinner. Like I would never say it via text. I was like, I'm going to Miami in a few weeks. If you want to come just to let you know, there are multiple bathrooms, you know, because we hadn't done the pooping thing yet. And it's going to be a beautiful weekend, blah, blah. He was like, I would love to come. And I was like, that's great. I would say four or five days before Miami and I had booked my flight and, and whatever. He was like, work is really getting bad. And I actually have a presentation on Monday of like, you know, after that weekend would be. And I just don't feel like I will be fully focused and present if I come to Miami. And so basically he bailed on me. And I was like, this is terrible. He doesn't like me. Like that's just, it's very black and white here. He he does not like me. And he's over me and he's trying to get out of this and I shouldn't have invited him. And this is so awkward. And I remember I literally, I was like at my parents' house, like uptown that night. And I walked after he told me this from my parents to my apartment, all the way downtown playing sad songs and honestly borderline crying and avoiding his texts so that he would like worry about me or like, I don't know, feel a distance because I was like, it's over. It's over. And, you know, obviously spoiler alert, it wasn't over. And he actually did have to work. Like I thought it was just an excuse, but yeah, I did not think he was into me anymore. And then the last thing I will tell you about, because I feel like you guys like hearing about our fights because in the past, I've gotten feedback like, oh my God, you act like everything's perfect in your relationship. It's not. Like no relationship is perfect, okay? We had a fight this weekend, last weekend, about our friends. So our friends got engaged. We're so happy for them, right? So my friend FaceTimes me to tell me that she's engaged. We've been waiting for this moment. She's like telling me the story. Mind you, she FaceTimed me. She didn't FaceTime Steven, okay? He happens to be sitting next to me. She FaceTimed me. And she's like telling me the story. She's like... And then I turned around and, you know, she's going to say like, you got down on one knee, but I needed a clarification point. Like I was like, wait, were you, I, I th- you know what I think it was? I think she was like, and I turned around and he was like with the ring. And I think I asked her, I think I was like, did he get down on one knee or something? And Steven's like, let her tell the story. And I'm like, excuse me. And then whatever, she ends up telling the story. We get off the phone and he's like, I just think it's so funny how like you didn't let her tell the story. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is who I am. I ask questions. This is my friend's engagement party. I feel like he's listening because he's hearing this. And I was like, it like became like an actual fight. Like it was like crazy. I was like, I was like, I am the kind of person who like wants to know clarification points of my friend's engagement. He's like, yeah, but you can just let her talk and like let her tell you. And this carries over to another fight that we had, which was similar. We're watching Squid Game, which I recommend to everyone. And I like to pause and talk about what's going on. I like to tell you my theories. My theories are always right because I studied film at BU. So like you you should be blessed to hear my theories. Okay. So I pause to tell my theory and he's like, what are you doing? I want, this is a pivotal moment. Like, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but he's like, I need to know what happens. Like, so he wants to watch the show and then discuss and I want to discuss throughout the show. Anyway, I'm so over time here, but you get the point, another fight. And I'm like, I literally am just sending him the Oprah meme. That's like, were you silent or were you silenced? Because I feel silenced because I'm not allowed to say my thoughts on a show that we're watching. I mean, what is this? And, you know, I did a poll question. It seems like a lot of you guys like to wait till the end of the show too, but I'm looking, talking to you, my peeps out there who like to talk during the show. That's us. That's who we are. And, you know, we're just going to have to compromise on watching shows moving forward. Luckily, we've made it through these fights and um, 
you know, it's good that we're getting these out of the way before we tie the knot. Thank you guys for listening to my very long solo. And I'm really excited for you to hear Ellen. I don't want to talk anymore because she is wonderful. If you are new to the working world and you're like, what's one product that I need for my interviews, for my resume, to reformat, to create content, whatever it might be, Issue is that one platform because it it is all in one. Issue will help you create beautiful digital content like marketing materials, magazines, a resume, as I mentioned, brochures, make a brochure for yourself, you know, go all out. PDFs are totally outdated at this point. An issue makes your content better because it works with tools that you already use like Canva, Dropbox, InDesign. I've been using issue every time I make a mixer flyer or any kind of event flyer for, you know, one of my events. It's really amazing and and really necessary. You can make it once and distribute it everywhere without reformatting. Your content is like already optimized for engagement and ready to share when you do it on issue. And you can get started for free. Or if you sign up for a premium account, you'll get 50% off when you go to issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on this, especially if you're just getting started with your career or if you want to take it to the next level. That's issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. That's issuu.com slash podcast and promo code ACME. Definitely, definitely invest in yourself and check out Issue. Looking for wedding dresses and like planning a wedding is a full-time job. Like anyone who tells you different is wrong. They're lying. Like even if you have a planner, it is a full-time job. So if you have a job already, congrats, you have two jobs. And when you have two jobs, there is no time to make a meal. Like there's just not. So last week I ordered my Sakara like for the entire week, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because there was absolutely no way that I was sitting there with the time to make a meal. Like, absolutely not. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be good to myself instead of like running around with like random bars that like from random companies that I don't trust. I'm going to order organic ready to eat meals that have ingredients that I would not otherwise get that are designed to boost my energy, which I need in this moment, improve my digestion and give me glowing skin, which I really don't hate. And along with their delicious plant-rich meals, Saqqara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. You can experience the transformative power of plants with their best-selling metabolism super powder. It's made with organic raw cacao and it works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize your sugar cravings and reduce fatigue. So like the perfect thing to start your day if you're running around looking at freaking wedding dresses or if you're just running around because your life is busy. Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when you go to sakara.com slash Acme and enter code Acme20 at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash Acme to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash Acme and do not sleep on their granola with the amazing vegan milk that they have, or plant-based milk. It is unbelievable. Hope you're enjoying this episode thus far. Just want to remind you guys that we have an amazing live show October 24th at Caroline's that you absolutely don't want to miss. There will be multiple special guests and there's going to be tons of opportunities for you to get some behind the scenes answers to some questions that you have asked me before, but also to your own questions about your own dating profile. Like it's a free consultation to basically just show up and it's going to be really fun. You're going to be laughing your ass off and drinking mimosas while I don't drink, but live vicariously through you and eating all the foods. It's going to be so fun at Caroline's in New York City on October 24th. You can get your ticket by going to my Instagram and clicking the link in bio. So do not sleep on that. 
Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited to be here with esteemed author, Ellen Hildebrand. Hey, Ellen. Hi. Hi, Lindsay. So happy to have you on today. I just feel like it was so written up in the stars. I had been hearing about you and, you know, I had a couple of your books and then all of a sudden I'm on Nantucket and I see you at a workout class and it was just um, amazing. And I knew that I had to have you as a guest on the podcast. So thank you for coming on. Oh, I'm so excited. I do a lot of literary podcasts. So something like this is so much fun for me. So much fun. I'm very, very excited. I'm so glad. So we have tons of questions for you, but just want to start with a little background information for anyone who doesn't know you. How old are you, Ellen? And where are you from? So I'm 52 and I grew up in Collegeville, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, but I have lived for 29 years on Nantucket. You're round. And what is your current relationship status? So very interestingly, I'm divorced. I've had a long time boyfriend. I've had a boyfriend for like nine years. So, and we're long distance. So we can talk about that later if you want, but yeah. So I am single slash divorced slash in a committed relationship. So many questions. So you are long distance. Where is your boyfriend? He lives in Easton, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour east of New York City. And how did you end up in Nantucket? We'll kind of start a little bit backwards. Like, And is part of the reason that you're not necessarily moving for this person because it is like so much inspiration for you there? Or maybe let's just start with how you ended up there. Okay. So let's go back almost 30 years. I'm living in New York City. When I was growing up in summers, we would go to Cape Cod and we had, I had this blended family. It was my stepbrother, stepsister, and then my two brothers. There were five of us. We had these magical summers on Cape Cod and, you know, it was my dad and my stepmother and they were just amazing. And my father was killed in a plane crash after when I was 16. So I'd done, you know, 11 or 12 of these summers and then he died. And I thought to myself, I always wanted to get back and have a life where I could spend a summer at the beach. That was my goal. So I went to Johns Hopkins undergrad. I majored in creative writing and then I got a job. I lived in New York and I got a job in publishing and I hated it. And I decided what I really needed to write was to have a job that gave me time. So I wanted my summers off. So I taught, I taught English the first year at the New York City Public Schools, IS-227 in Queens, New York. And I lived in Manhattan and I would take three subways to get there. And then the second year, I got a better job teaching in Westchester County. And I still lived in Manhattan and I would commute backwards. So I would go up to 125th Street, hop on Metro North and take the train out in the mornings and then back in the late afternoons. Um, and I had the summer between these two teaching jobs off and I decided, okay, now's my time to get back to the beach. I'm going to find a room in a house in Nantucket, which I did and came here for the summer in 1993, absolutely fell in love with it and decided, okay, I'm never leaving. I went back to New York to teach the second year. And then after that school year was over, I moved to Nantucket permanently. Wow. That, I mean, there's so much to take in there. Like it was so hard for me not to jump in, but that is wild. And I'm sorry um, about your dad, but it sounds like it was like a jumping off point that, you know, led you to your life now, which is, you know, a blessing in so many ways that you made that out of a tragedy. Um, so that's wonderful. And so once you got to Nantucket, was when you had like the inspiration to start writing or was it during being a teacher in, in New York that you began? Well, I the story I tell is that when I was seven years old, my second grade teacher gave everyone in the class an award and my award was the top author award. And I was like, yes, I am an author. So I always wanted to be a writer since I was very small. And I majored in creative writing at Johns Hopkins. It's bizarrely because it's everyone thinks of it as like, uh, you know, for pre-med, which it most certainly is in engineering, but it has one of the only dedicated creative writing majors in the country. So I went to Hopkins. And then when I was in Nantucket, I was writing a book that first summer that never saw the light of day. And one of my professors in college had said, really, and I would give this advice also if we have any aspiring writers out there, the most important thing, Lindsay, is to go out in the world and live. 
it is your real life experience that's going to give you the inspiration for your novels. So I moved to Nantucket in 1993 and um, I had a boyfriend that I met here in Nantucket. He then became my husband and is now my ex-husband. And I do want to say before we start, we're very good friends, excellent friends. And we have three children. So we're sort of running the corporation that is the, the Cunningham family. But we traveled. So he used to live in, he, when I met him in 93, he was living in Aspen in the winters and Nantucket in the summers. And he'd been doing this for years. This was his shtick. I somehow got him to move to New York. And, but in the winters we would travel because he managed a beach club. And actually he still manages a beach club. And so we went through Southeast Asia and we won winter. And then the next winter, we went to South America. We went to the Galapagos. We went to Costa Rica. And then after we'd done that a couple of years, I applied to graduate school. I went to the University of Iowa Writers Workshop. And that is where I started writing about Nantucket. Because once I got there, honestly, I was so miserable in Iowa that to make myself feel better, I started writing about Nantucket. I am like fascinated by your life and your story. And I have so many questions. Before we continue, I have to know, because I told you I was into astrology, when is your birthday? My birthday is July 17th. Um, I'm Cancer. So you're a Cancer. Okay. So of course you're like a hopeless romantic. I love that. (laughs) So backing up a little bit, I want to hear a little about how you kind of began this romance with your ex-husband. You write these amazing stories that are so romantic and everyone wants to know like what is kind of taken from your own life and your own experience. Was it this like romance novel meeting and love? Because it sounds like based on the traveling, it was a little bit. It was very, you know, I had gone to college in four years, sort of played by the rule book right until I got to Nantucket. Like I moved to New York city and I lived on the Upper East side. Like so many people who graduated from my college did. And I was sort of in that, you know, going out to the bars at night. I had a boyfriend when I moved to New York, I had a boyfriend who was at Columbia business school and we broke up and sort of the impetus of me going to Nantucket in the first place. I mean, I definitely wanted to get out of the city for the summer, but I had been subletting an apartment with my boyfriend who went to Columbia and we split. And I said, you take the apartment. I'm going to go to Nantucket. And like I said, I rented a room in a house. And then my first week, I think I met Chip and we were set up by friends at a bar. I wasn't crazy about him at first, but you know, we were drinking and I'm like, okay, he's kind of cute. And we ended up, you know, I can remember him calling me. This is a funny story. You know, he called me like two days later and he said, you know, I've been on the island since the first of June. I haven't been able to get off. I'm going to go to Boston for lunch. Do you want to go to Boston? And I'm like, dude, I just came to Nantucket from New York City. Like, no, I don't want to go to Boston. And I'm new to Nantucket. I don't really know how things work. He's like, well, I've already bought two plane tickets. And I'm sitting on the roof of my house. And if you don't say yes, I'm going to jump. So I was like, all right, I'll go. Like, I'll go to lunch in Boston with this dude. And we went, we had this wonderful time. And we started dating for the summer. And it was very much like summer romance. Like he would call me and he would swing by in his Jeep and we'd go out and watch the sunset. And he had been here for eight years. So he knew the restaurant owners and he'd take me out for these romantic dinners. We went to Galley Beach, which is a restaurant that's right on the water and his best friend was the maitre d' and he put us in this table out by the sand. And I'm like, it's like my mind was blown. So I was really, really smitten with this guy. And of course, September rolls around. I have to go back to New York city to teach. There is no wiggle room. And I'm sort of like, what do we do? So the Jewish holidays came early that year and and I had off. And so I went back to Nantucket and spent the weekend with him in September. And then I went back again in October and we, he took me to dinner in October and he's like, what would you say if instead of going to Aspen, if I came to New York and I was like, okay. And he, that required him moving into my apartment because <laughs> of course, you know, one does not just casually move to New York. So he did, he moved in with me like November 2nd and we fell in love and decided we were going to make a go of it. And it was 18, 20, maybe wonderful years and three kids. That's amazing. So, yeah. And I have to ask, when is his birthday? 
His birthday is June 29th. So he's also a cancer. Oh, okay. Very good. And if you're comfortable sharing, when did things kind of get to a point where, you know, they weren't as wonderful for you, or maybe it was like a growing apart thing? I mean, you, you tell me. Yeah. I mean, I think really ultimately my career, it was a combination of our lifestyle. So our lifestyle was very unusual. And you'll find that from a lot of people on Nantucket, it's not like a traditional, this is not like a traditional community where there are a lot of like lawyers and doctors and businessmen in suits. Like it's a lot of carpenters and seasonal workers. And so Chip was working at the beach club from, let's see, he started April 1st and went to November 1st. And he worked every single day, those six months. And then he had six months off. And that sounds great in reality. And especially when you're trying to raise children and when you're trying to write books and raise children, it was very, very taxing. And there ended up being a lot of anger and a lot of resentment. My career took off. I was then making 90% of the income and doing more than 50% of the housework. And and if, if I just say that, that's probably enough to be like, okay, I can see where like this really wasn't sustainable. Mm. And you know, I ended up moving out and we got divorced and we're, we're really, really good friends. And we work excellently and just incredibly well together with the kids. And that's of course the most important thing. And as I say to some people, like my, my daughter goes to boarding school and I said to the headmaster, I said, we will, we get along better than most of your married couples. That's great. Which is nice. That's really nice. And You know, just out of curiosity, because I imagine that it would be a similar feeling for me, but I've, of course, never been married and divorced. You know, when there became this kind of like discrepancy between like you making more and doing more, you know, would you say that it created kind of like a feeling of you just being generally turned off or like contempt it was anger. There were, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, there was a lot of anger. And at some point I just got that up and I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do it by myself, I just rather do it by myself. And I really thought I'd be happier. And also like, you have to understand like my job ultimately, like when I look back at like, why didn't the relationship work? We are, you know, Chip and I are really opposites. Like he is an extrovert. He manages a beach club and a hotel. He loves to be surrounded by people. I am a novelist, you know, by definition, I do all of my work by myself. I like quiet. I love nothing more than like a quiet house of my own. This is like a dream. Right. And so as we got along in our marriage, it just, we weren't really after the same things. And then wait for this, Lindsay. So this was the other thing is at the end of the day. So at the end of the workday, I'd been alone all day or with my kids or whatever. I wanted to go out and be with my friends. I wanted to go to dinner. I wanted to do dinner parties. I wanted to, you know, I craved adult social interaction. Chip had had all day of adult social interaction and he wanted to come home and sit in front of the television and do nothing. And it was such a disconnect of like, okay, how are we going to spend our time? But there were really, I mean, in the, in the off season, when he wasn't working, we took the kids on these incredible journeys. Like we went to Vietnam with them for eight weeks. We took them mm-hmm. to Thailand for six weeks. We went to Australia five different times for the winter. So we really did some amazing, awesome traveling with the kids. We took them to Argentina and Uruguay. I mean, we did really creative, awesome things in the off season, but ultimately that lifestyle just for us was yeah. like not, it was not sustainable. Well, something that you just said that was really like light bulby for me and that I think about often is like the introvert extrovert relationship. And I just have this theory that it just doesn't work. And I'm curious to hear if your partner now is more introverted like you or more similar to Chip. Well, I mean, Tim is, this is how I'll describe Tim we're both super social. Like we love to go out. So it, in, in the evenings, like he, he works, he is a contractor. So he works pretty much by himself or with like one or two other dudes. So he definitely feels like at the end of the day, like he wants to go out and have a beer and let, let go. But we go to the beach a lot. So I am in St. John for six weeks of the year. And, and Tim in years past has come with me. 
and he can sit on the beach and read all day. And that is ultimately my perfect man. Can you, cause he, he, we read the same books and I, you know, generally I pick them and then he reads them and I will be doing my writing on the beach and Tim will sit and read. And then, you know, we'll go for a walk. We'll go for a swim. We'll we always have our lunch at the same time. And we're like very like in the day-to-day moment, like we're very in sync with what we want to be doing. And I feel like that is what's made it work. Yeah. When is Tim's uh, birthday and how did you two meet? Tim's birthday is July. His birthday is one week after mine, but that makes him a Leo. So his birthday is July 24th. Um, Mm -hmm. He's also six years younger than I am. So that's interesting. Um, Yes, he's 46. And we met at the airport. I was going down to St. John uh, and he was going to his best friend's wedding in Jamaica. And my flight, my luggage was lost. I had to spend the night at the Philadelphia airport before I flew down. And my, I had been coming from Boston and my luggage was lost. And I was at the airport bar and I was in bad spirits. And it was March Madness, basketball's on. We started talking and we hit it off. And then he went to his best friend's wedding and I went to St. John and we, we kept in touch. And then we got back to the States. We got together. It was such a beautiful weekend last weekend in the city. And we were celebrating friends of ours engagement. And we were like up on this roof and there was a sunny side of the roof and a non-sunny side. And like, I gravitate towards the sunny side. Like that's just my vibe. I love sun. And I feel like I'm can get in trouble because of this. And so I'm like, at least if I'm going to want to be in the sun, I need to like be in contact with some sort of licensed dermatology provider, right? Who knows my skin and who at least can like address my like dark spots and fine lines and anything that I develop from the sun because I don't want to give up the sun, you know? And also with this change in weather, like your skin's going to be affected by it. I mean, unless you're like absolutely flawless Beyonce vibes, like your skin is going to be affected by this stuff. Like I'm telling you. And if you are someone that either likes to be in the sun or your skin changes with the weather, Curology is 100% what you need to be using. Curology customizes a prescription formula with three active ingredients, literally only three, and it tackles all your skincare needs. You just basically answer a few questions online about your skin and you can even send in a couple selfies to Curology. And then, as I mentioned before, they just match you with a licensed dermatology provider because like, it's really hard to find that on your own nowadays. And that person gets to know your skin and you get this customized prescription cream. Like it says your name on it and all that. And it addresses your acne, fine lines, dark spots, sun damage, and so much more. For me, my plan is really simple. Like it's like a less is more and all of the products are perfect for my skin. I am seeing my complexion like glow and I get kind of this after sun treatment that I'm really needing right now. So all you have to do to take control of your breakouts, acne, changing skin, whatever your concern is, is go to curology.com slash acme and you'll get a free 30 day trial. All you do is pay for shipping and handling. That's C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash acme. And you can get a 30 day trial for free. Curology.com for all the details. It's so funny, like now that I have this ring on my finger, I'm all of a sudden like, I think that I know everything about jewelry and I I know nothing. Like I, I would say my fiance knows more than I do because he's the one that got this ring and, and made it happen. And I'm still in awe of how he knew what the hell he was doing. But what I do know for sure is that it's so important to have statement pieces and to get jewelry for yourself so that you're never relying on anyone else to get jewelry for you. Because like, you know what? You're a boss and you deserve jewelry, fine jewelry that you can wear every single day that you absolutely love. Whether it's the Zodiac jewelry, I rock my Libra bracelet and my Libra ring every single day 
or maybe it is an engraved handlebar necklace, which I also love. Mine says Lenny on it. Majuri has everything, like anything that you could ever want. Sterling silver, freshwater pearls, ethically sourced diamonds, heirloom status pieces, like to dress up an outfit. It's really amazing. And because fall is here, Majuri actually has really amazing new pieces too. Like limited edition drops every single Monday. Like finally, Mondays are not boring. You have to try Majuri if you haven't already. And you can live chat with the stylist one-on-one if you need help deciding. Go to Majuri.com slash Acme and you'll get 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash Acme for 10% off your first order. Check it out. I mean, I personally right now, I'm obsessed with the croissant and Charlotte collections, um, like the heirloom rings, but whatever you're into, I'm sure it's going to look amazing. So go to majuri.com slash Acme to check it out. I love hearing about your life. Like you could write a book about your own life verbatim and it would be interesting (laughs) enough to read, I'm telling you. But a lot of your fans had put in requests for um, questions about, you know, your characters' lives and things like that. So I'm going to ask you a few of those questions. Okay. Fantastic. One person asked, which character from your books is most closely related to who you truly are? Well, I mean, it was one character before this last book came out. So my most recent book, which is called Golden Girl, is about a Nantucket novelist. Her name is Vivian Howe. She and I have a lot in common. We're not the same person. She grows up in Ohio. She is an only child. Her parents are very, uh, they're not my parents. And she goes to Duke and she meets her best friend. And then she gets to Nantucket that way, which is now not how I got there. But she has three children. She has two girls and a boy. I have two boys and a girl. But there are things about us that are really similar. Like she writes speech novels and she's a good cook and she has an ex-husband and she also has a boyfriend and she, she looks at life much the same way that I do, which is just, you know, work hard, play hard. Okay. I love that. And what would your dream actress be to play the lead in any of your novels if they were to be adapted? So I have five projects in development. So I've given some thought, but I'm going to go ahead and cast 28 Summers, which 28 Summers is probably my most romantic book. It's about, it's a, it's basically a rewrite of the film Same Time Next Year. So Same Time Next Year came out in, I don't know, 1978. It starred Alan Alda and Ellen Bernstein. And it's this couple who meet at this seaside resort. They're both married to other people. They have a one night stand And they fall in love and they decide they're going to have a one night stand the same weekend every year forever. Right. And it's the most produced play ever. Same time next year. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to rewrite this. I am going to have my couple meet on Nantucket Labor Day of 1993. And then they're going to go back to Nantucket and meet every Labor Day weekend forever. So this is what happens. And Mallory, my main character, ends up living on Nantucket. She stays there. Jake, the dude, he goes and he marries his high school sweetheart, Ursula, who then ends up being a politician. And by the end of the book, she's running for president and it becomes very complicated. And it has been optioned by a film studio. And the people that I would like to see play Mallory and Jake are Blake Lively and Reggie Jean Pudge. <laughs> Oh, I love that. And I would like Ursula, the wife, his wife, to be played by Olivia Munn. I love her. I love her, love her. Oh my God. So much juiciness in there. I hope that means that maybe that's potentially happening with those potential people. I guess we'll have to find out. How great would that be? That would be amazing. He's so handsome. I I die. But my question for you with these two things that we just talked about is like, you know, we're talking about these affairs and kind of making these affairs like very romantic. Do you ever get any hate about like, why are you romanticizing the fact that, you know, it's okay to have an affair type of thing? You know what I mean? 
Oh gosh, all the time. All the time. So whereas I feel like 28 Summers was really the book, it was the book that I heard the most, like, oh my God, this is my favorite book ever. I love this book so much. And by the way, Lindsay, it is impossible, like in the writing of this book, it's almost impossible to conduct this kind of relationship, like where you meet each other every year, just because adults have busy lives and it's just, things come up. And anyway, it was, it was tough to do it fictionally. I can't imagine trying to do it in real life. Then of course, after the book comes out, we hear about Bill Gates and his, you know, same time next right. year woman. And I'm, I was laughing. Um, but yes, all the time, do I hear from people who are like, this book is about adultery. I'm not going to read it. And my response to that is, I have choices to make as a novelist and I can write a novel about a happy couple and we will all be asleep by page 10. Right. Fiction requires drama and drama is the content and a happy marriage is not, it's not dramatic. And so mm. to add drama, you can do a, several different things. You can have someone be sick. You can have someone be in financial trouble and you can have infidelity. And so I, it is a go-to for me because my options are, are limited. And I also feel like it's real life and it does happen and good people are unfaithful. And I try and like, dissect that. And I mean, there are some bad people who are unfaithful also. I mean, and nobody, like nobody wants to be cheated on. And so it's just like this awful, icky, horrible feeling. If it's happened to you and you don't want to read about it, I understand. But I try and get so into the characters that at least you can sort of understand it. It's very, it's very, very difficult emotional work on the page. That's for sure. Definitely. And actually on that same kind of wavelength, somebody had asked how to make romance resonate to a man who it's not natural to. And I think this is really interesting because, you know, I am such a romantic and I, in my, you know, in my relationship with my fiance, I feel very lucky because he understands that and he creates romance for us like on a, on a regular basis, whether it's bringing me flowers or, you know, dancing with me in the middle of our apartment. But I have experienced, and I'm sure many women have and all kinds of people have, a partner who's just not romantic. And like, for me, that probably wouldn't work. But that doesn't necessarily mean they can't, I don't know, maybe change or be, you know, taught a little bit of romance. Like, what would you say to this person um, about making romance resonate to their partner who they don't think it's natural to? I think one thing, like one of two of the things actually, is you have to have common interest. And I'm going to use that word interest. That's not exactly what I mean. Uh, Let me give you some examples. Romance to me. So I have a son who's 21. And this past summer, his girlfriend came and lived with us. They have since broken up, which is a story for another day. But the most romantic thing I've practically ever seen, and I don't know if they saw it on TikTok or what, but they went to the store and they bought markers and they bought really good art paper and they drew together and they had music. And I guess the idea is that you're each drawing and you listen to two songs on your playlist and then you switch the papers and then you draw on the other person's drawing and then for two songs and then you switch. And I'm like, I watched them do it. I'm like, this is so cute. This is so like, it just tugs at your heartstrings. Like they're it's childlike and that it was, you know, they were using markers and it, you know, But it was like they were doing something, an activity together that like bonded them. And then they had very carefully picked up their playlist. I loved that, right? It could be something easy. Like I said, Tim and I read the same books. It is so gratifying in like a romantic way to be able to turn to your partner and be like, okay, what did you think about that scene with the blah, blah, blah? Or what part are you up to or whatever? You know, Tim reads all my books. He reads them first. And and I love it because I'm like, I like basically will like try not to hover over his chair, but like I can hear him laugh. And, and it's, it's so, it really, I I think it bonds. It creates, it creates love. Like the fact that he's reading my novel and he's reacting to it and I'm, I'm there. And then, and then also like something as simple as binging a show together. So Tim and I watched Ted Lasso. And when you have common things that you do together, just the two of you, I think that creates romance and it doesn't have to be roses and it doesn't have to be champagne. It can be Mm. something, something simple. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, it could be like, you know, my fiance and I are watching this show now. It's called Squid Game and it's like gone viral. (laughs) Everyone's obsessed with it. And just as little as like, you know, every couple of minutes we'll pause and I'll be like, okay, what's your theory? What here's my theory. And it's the same thing as reading. Um, you know, obviously reading is a little bit more intimate, but I feel like for, for anyone who's like, Oh, I just can't sit and read a book, like do it with a show. Um, so I love that. I love that advice. Yeah. And it has to be your show also. Like I would say like, so I haven't like, so because Tim and I are long distance, like I haven't watched the last two Ted Lassos, but that's like a real kind of cheating. Like if you are watching yeah. the show with and other and you're not together and you watch the show without him, that is cheating. That in my mind is cheating. Oh, fully cheating. That's like deal breaker territory. Yeah, you don't do it. No. Um, you mentioned TikTok, which I love that you, you know, are into the whole thing. Um, I don't know if you're on TikTok. I have to look for you if you are. But there's this trend going around right now on TikTok and it's called Couch Guy. Have you heard of this? No, but I'll, I'm writing it down because well, I I'll, love... So you know, my kids are all are all Gen Z. So like they're right. into like they're watching my oldest son and then his best friend are watching Squid Game, Squid Games now. So at least I know what it is because they're like, they talk about nothing else. Okay. So right. Couch guy. Okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit about this Couch Guy thing. So... It was a video that a a very sweet seeming girl posted. She's a freshman in college and she goes to visit her long distance boyfriend at his school. And she walks in and like surprises him, you know, which we all know where this is going. And he's on the couch sitting with like another girl and he, you know, kind of like sneakily makes it seem like nothing's happening and gets up and gives her a hug. And she continues to like post this video, not kind of realizing what was going on, but the rest of the world is like, okay, we've all been there. You know, he's obviously cheating on you or something. And so now tons of people on TikTok, because it is like probably the most bullying app ever are making these remake videos of them like walking in on like, oh, visiting my long distance husband and the husband's on the couch, like making out with someone. And they're like, oh, hi, sweetie, you know? And (laughs) it's funny. It's very like, it's triggering a little bit for me personally, because I dated um, my high school boyfriend, like the first few months of college. And like, obviously he had another girlfriend and, you know, all of that. Um, bad stuff, but it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I wonder what you think about uh, the idea and especially cause you know, your daughter will be in college in a few years, just the idea of staying with somebody from high school in college as like a romance novelist, like, is it like an absolutely not? Well, I have a lot of, so when I went to Hopkins, I had very, I was very close to my high school boyfriend. He went to Penn state. We made it a year and change, like to Halloween of sophomore year. If I had my life to live over, Lindsay, I would have just cut the cord, but I couldn't. The problem with high school going into college is that you just aren't able to see the big picture. You're not, yeah, your brain is not. developed. You are not able, like you think you're going to die. And so mm. that is why people stay together. What ended up happening with my son and his girlfriend who had lived with me for the summer, she had graduated. They go to University of South Carolina. She had graduated and Max was still at the University of South Carolina. So here you are. He's at a Big Ten, you know, I mean, uh, SEC university. And she's now, you know, she was at home living with her parents, like trying to figure out her next step. So he's in college. She's out of college. That's almost worse. So they they broke up rapidly (laughs) after he went back to school. It's just, it's so hard. It's so hard. I'm not going to say it it doesn't work because I think sometimes it does work, but it's so difficult. It's so hard. It's so hard. And and that's funny that you just mentioned that story because I stupidly dated a boy who was still in college once I had graduated as well. So it's almost like I didn't learn from the, you know, freshman year situation. And of course, that person was also... Right. 
you know, so it's good to know. I want to round out and talk a little bit about how you got into daily fitness. I know it's really inspiring to a lot of your fans and a lot of people wrote in about it. And, you know, I did that class with you in Nantucket. And I have to mm-hmm. say, it's an ama- it was an amazing class. Like I remember go- coming back to New York and being like, it is terrible that all the bar classes in New York are not nearly as as good as this one. And so how did you get into it? And, you know, what makes you want to be vocal about it? Well, I mean, as a writer, so the most important quality, again, if there are any aspiring writers out there, the most important quality is not talent. The most important quality is discipline, right? So especially for somebody like me, like I write a book a year. I had been writing two books a year. I have to sit down and do it. I cannot make excuses. I cannot wait to be inspired. It is something I have to do every single day. It's a discipline. So I set up a long time ago. I started running, right? I mean, I gained so much weight after my freshman year in college. So let's say I started the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. I started running and pretty much have run every single day since then I was 19, I'm now 52. So I don't know how long is that 30, 33 years. And I've added various parts of it. So I do still run. I've had breast cancer. I don't go very fast. So now I call it my yogging, which is a term I took from the movie Anchorman. It's a very slow jog. And because I'm not getting a lot of cardio from that, I add, I bought a Peloton. So every morning, my first thing I do every morning is I do a 45 minute Peloton ride. Then I do normally my yogging for like an hour. And then I take the bar class and I take the bar class every day, six days a week. I mean, Monday through Saturday. And I don't skip. I just don't skip unless I have, you know, occasionally I travel for work, et cetera. But even then, like I pack my stuff and I do it online. So it's the discipline of the exercise that lets the writing happen. If I get sloppy with my exercise, then I feel like I can, then everything falls apart. So it's really the discipline that sets up my day. I'm very devoted to it. And I feel like it's, it's probably at this point a problem, but oh, well, it's a problem I like to have. Yeah. It's a good problem to have in my opinion. And you mentioned having breast cancer and that was something I wanted to ask you about as well. When did you find out that you had it and what is your advice to, you know, younger women and, and men, um, to kind of stay on top of that? Right. So I was diagnosed, I was 44. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, you're going to be younger than me. It is extremely important. It's hard because they tell you, you shouldn't get a mammogram until you're 40 or 45. If you are younger than that and you get breast cancer, you're getting the kind of breast cancer that's extremely dangerous and life-threatening. So it makes almost counterintuitive sense. Um, You should definitely be doing self-exams, definitely be going to the gynecologist once a year. I, when I started my breast cancer journey, was half an A cup. I was like super tiny. And I felt a a, a lump, like hard, like a pebble right under my skin. Went to the doctor, biopsied. Yes, you have cancer. Went to Mass General, met with my oncological surgeon. She said, we're going to go ahead and do an MRI to make sure there's nothing else hiding. I'm like, of course there's nothing else hiding. I'm half an A cup. Get in the MRI. She calls me the next day. She's got, she says, you've got four tumors on the right and one on the left. These are tumors that did not show up on the mammogram. So then I was having a double mastectomy, had the double mastectomy, went on CBS this morning, the day before, like complete, like completely freaked out. Six hour surgery. I had tissue expanders put in because I was going much bigger. It was so funny. My oncological surgeon said, they do not make implants as small as you are. So you're going to have to go bigger. And Lindsay, I took that as my cue to just like live out my breast dreams and have <laughs> That's what I wanted. Fine. I had a certain pair of breasts till I was 44. And then the last seven years, I've had different, different breasts. Okay, much, much bigger. And it's so much fun for me because I was flat, you know, 40 years of my life. Right. And I was reconstructed. And during one of my reconstructive surgeries, I contracted MRSA, which is a terrible, awful bacterial infection that can kill you. And I was went to the hospital and I was flown in a helicopter from Nantucket Cottage Hospital to the roof of Boston Medical Center, was operated on. They took my left implant out. And then I spent three months where I was like 
flat to the bone on one side and a D cup on the other. And that was the hardest part of the whole experience because that's when you feel like sort of the old school, like I have cancer and like, look at me, I'm, I'm disfigured. Um, I had a prosthetic breast that I wore. I took my kids to Atlantis in the Bahamas that year at Christmas. And I'd go down the water slides and like the prosthetic breast was like this squishy waterproof thing. And it would go flying out and we'd have to go find it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like it was funny, but it was humbling. And I'm like, ah, and then eventually I got reconstructed on the left and I I'm fine now. I'm fine. And I've been fine for a long time. So I would definitely urge people just to be not to panic, but to be proactive about self-exams, get a mammogram at 40, ask questions of your doctor, especially if you have it in your family, you have to get tested for the BRCA gene. And if you do turn out to have breast cancer, it is no longer a death sentence. It is rarely, rarely a death sentence. It is something that you will make it, you will make through, you will make it through. Thank God you made it through. Um, I don't know what any of us would do without you. So very happy about that. I have loved chatting with you. And usually um, before I ask you for your piece of advice or quote to leave with us, we'll do a rapid fire questions based on the polls that we have on Instagram. But because Instagram is down today, I am going to come up with my own polls for you and some rapid fires. So my first question for you, and I know you talk about cooking a lot in your books. What is your favorite meal to cook? So my favorite, I love to make soup. So I will say clam chowder since I live on Nantucket. Yum. Okay. Give me three differences between Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. So the vineyard is twice as big. The vineyard is has seven towns, whereas Nantucket has only one. And the vineyard has a lot more, they have a lot more deciduous trees. It feels more like the woods, whereas Nantucket and Lindsay, you've been there, is very windswept and low to the like low to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. What's your favorite restaurant on, on Nantucket? My favorite restaurant in Nantucket is the Nautilus. Love that. My friend's brother was the manager there for a few years. I love it there. I love it. The duck was amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. It was so good. When will your next book come out? My next book will come out June 14th, 2022. Love it. And what was the last book that you read that wasn't from you that you absolutely loved and would recommend to our listeners? So I'm just trying to think. I I read all the time. I read constantly. I finished a book yesterday, but I'm not sure that's the one I would recommend to your listeners. Your listeners, I read, this is a book I absolutely loved and everybody who listens to your podcast should read this book. It's called In Five Years by Rebecca Oh, I've read it. I've read it. Oh, everybody's read it, right? But (laughs) isn't that such a good choice for for your listeners? I feel like I read it I've been sort of resisting because it it had like this funny cult following and I don't always like to read books that are like that, but I inhaled it. I thought it was very well done and I posted about it, oh, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. Loved it. I I have to say, and this is a conversation for another time because it's going to be longer. I didn't like it. Oh, you didn't? I did it. Okay. Yes. Well, we'll have to talk about that. We will. We will. I feel like you have a lot of company I expected not to like it. And I think I know like the places where you had issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, Okay. And then last question, what advice do you give your kids when it comes to dating? Well, to Shelby, my daughter, which is the person I'm most concerned about. This is what I've said to her since she's been very small. Make your own money. (laughs) Do not depend on a man to support Mm -hmm. you. And in general, in general with Shelby, I just tell her to like, that she should create her own life. She should be okay by herself. And once she is a whole person and okay by herself, then she can share herself with somebody else. I love that. But then what do you tell the boys? The boys, oh my gosh, wear a condom, uh, (laughs) light, be kind. Pay for dinner. (laughs) Pay for dinner, be a gentleman, hold the door open. I mean, (sighs) So much, like constantly, constantly, constantly. I love that. Can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice, or maybe it's a line from one of your novels that you um, want to leave us on the last note with? That's a very good question. I wish I had prepared for this. Um, <laughs> okay, how about this? 
here. I do have it. One of my favorite books is called The Perfect Couple. And in The Perfect Couple, the best line is, there is no such thing as a perfect couple. We don't have to aspire to it. We can, we can just be good enough. That is a fact. Thank you so much, Ellen. Can you tell us where we can find you, read your book and follow you? All, read oh, all your books. Oh, my, favorite, my favorite platform is Instagram. I have not, to your question earlier, broken into TikTok yet. My children will kill me. I'm also not on Snapchat. They won't let me do that either. My Instagram is very robust. It's at Ellen Hildebrand. It's all organic. I do all my own content. So that is where you should follow me. And my books are anywhere where books are sold. I'll encourage you to go to your local independent, although they're also on Amazon. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Lindsay. So fun. 